God spoke to me last week about what I taught on. He gave me the whole thing. He gave me Romans. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. And so, in my ways, I I thought, well, I'll teach this. And so I got up and I've been studying and I had a nice lesson. And then this morning he said, uh, teach what I told you to teach. So I had to go back and this morning I sat down and I started going more stuff. And uh, there's an old song, I don't know, Steve might remember. There's a group back in the 80s, they were called the Songwriters. Songwriters, huh? They were called the Songwriters. And uh, they first got say, when I first got say to listen to their stuff, I don't know what you would call it, uh, but they had one song. And this one song just messed me up. It was one less tear for God to shed. Mm-hmm. One last tear. One last tear. And on the album cover, there's a picture of a guy at the cross, hands upraised. And he was one last tear for God to shed. And when I was talking last week about Adam and the people and how God felt, he's the papa. This is his son. You know? That's right. I mean, his heart had to be broken. You know, growing up, I always thought God was the guy up there on the throne with the long white hair and big beard. You know, he's doing thunder lightning and thunderbolts, you know, and you do something wrong, man, he's going, smite me. Help me, Jesus. And, uh, when I got saved, he was, I learned he was actually a father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a father's good. good. Right. You know? But then the more I got to know him, he became more of a, a dad. A daddy. And the more he got to know him, he became Papa. The Papa. The one who wants to get a hold of you. And to me, it was a it was a journey in my relationship. Because the Father, the God, the Father God, he was still sitting there telling me, Dan, you know, you could have done this just a little bit better. If you had done this just a different way. And I felt like I always was reaching my hand out to him, but I could never grab it. And so I worked. I was saved, but I worked in the church. I worked till I was blue in the, I mean, I worked, man, trying to get that. <laughs> yeah. And my wife can attest. I was trying to ex- earn his acceptance. I had to earn it. You know the problem I had? I never accepted his unconditional love for me. Wow. When I realized that he loved me unconditionally, or I could never pray enough, I could never study enough, I could never be good enough to earn his love, he loves us all equally. Amen. He loves the people on the street as much as he loves you and me. Amen. For God so loved the world. He just didn't love Christians. He loves everybody. And so when Adam sinned and he thought in his heart, I'm going to do this. How did my papa feel? It ripped his heart. It just ripped his heart. Here's his creation. 
And so I'm going to go where I'm supposed to go. Uh, years ago, we were up the streets. We were up at Ohio University, the Halloween party. We are talking to these college students and stuff. I remember what my wife was talking to this young man. And this young man, the conversation was going on. This young man told her, he says, well, I have issues. And my wife says to her, we all have issues. Who don't have issues? <laughs> we all have issues. And in that conversation, we all have issues. What's the issues that we have? Where do they come from? Let's go back to the beginning once again, back to Genesis. All right. This game's going to stay, right? Good? We good? I got to get my stuff. Back to Genesis. Chapter 6. Verse 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Sounds like today. Nothing's changed. There's nothing new under the sun. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. Here's his creation. Wickedly. Evil. Unspeakable things. And God, he said it. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. From the time of creation till the time of Noah was 1,656 years. To me, that's not really a long time for all this to happen. Creation to the flood. 1,656 Noah lived, to, Noah lived to be 930. I mean, not Noah, but Adam. He saw, like I said last week, he saw this was going on. Amen. What have I done? You imagine? He said, what, what have I done? I've gone from walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day to this. What changed? His heart. His heart. The heart. What's the heart? It's the seat in the center of life. It's desires, the passions, the intellect, the affections, your feelings, your understanding, your will, intentions, and secret thoughts. His heart. His heart. God needs to get to your heart. 
He needs to get to your heart. Search me, O God. See if there's any wickedness within me. Search my heart, O God. Cry at David. Jeremiah 17. Wonderful scripture. Go there, if you would. Jeremiah 17. It's all good. God is good. Wow, where's Terran area are? We're getting there. It's like in the middle. Verse 9 is a wonderful scripture. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. <laughs> don't get much plainer than that. I, it, just don't, don't get much plainer. Go up to verse 1. Jeremiah 17, 1. How hard, how hard, how deceitful, how wicked is the heart. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of a diamond. It is engraved on the tablets of the heart. They say the hardest substance known to man is a diamond. Wow. It's a diamond. What did he engrave on the hearts? Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 33. 31, 33? Yes, sir. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. He wrote his law on the heart of man. Amen. With a point of a diamond. That's as hard as you can get, man. Heart of a diamond. If you ever met any hard-hearted people, that's a word we say, oh, they're hard-hearted. Hard heart. That's the heart. See, this is what we're dealing with in our culture. The heart. Okay? The heart. The issues of life. What do you do with that when you come to somebody that has a hard heart? How do you get to it? Word. Go to Hebrews 10, 16. You know, the pastor said something Sunday. He said, they're just moving. It's about grace. We don't need the Old Testament, right? We don't need the Old Testament. We're under grace now. <laughs> when did Jesus live? Wasn't he under Old Testament law? That was old. I mean, we put man put the thing in our Old Testament, New Testament. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't change. 
But we put this dividing thing, and so we don't accept that. You can't do away with this and not this. So go to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just going to show you something. It's Hebrews 10. I just want to show you something. Okay. Verse 16. Oh, let's go up to 15. But the Holy Spirit also, and this is to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds and I'll write them. And their sins and their lawless deeds I remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. It's New Testament. Right? It's Old Testament quoted in the New Testament. It's also quoted in uh, other, a few other places. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Let's go to uh, verse 9. Where your fathers tested me, tried me. I then saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. And he said, they always go astray in their heart. Where we started, the heart is deceitfully wicked. They always go astray in your heart. How many have been told, follow your heart? How many have been told, follow your heart? I mean, we all stop. Just follow your heart. No, you follow this. You follow the word. Because you ain't going to go wrong there, folks. Right. You're not going to go wrong there. Let's go back to way back Old Testament again. Ezekiel. I hope you don't mind flipping. Where are we going? Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 11. Seek. Verse 19. 11, 19. Then I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them what? They keep my statues and my judgments. To keep my statutes and my judgment. When you come to Christ, He gives you a new heart. He's a heart surgeon. He takes out the stony heart and gives you a heart of flesh. I was talking to Shane the other day. I talk to Shane every day. And Shane was saying, he's sitting in worship. And he's crying, and he don't know why he's crying. It's a new heart. The Holy Spirit's moving on that heart. And I love it when the tears come. I do. It's just, there's, there's a cleansing, there's a, Holy Spirit's moving on, it's just, just leak, I leak. 
I love to leak. I'm not embarrassed by leaking. I'm a leaky man Christian guy. You know what I'm saying? It's what we do. But he takes out that stony heart. Here's a situation. I'm going to get real. Can I get real? Well, me and my wife, we did the stuff in the church. I'm testimony time. We did the stuff in the, we did everything in the church. And I kept on telling God, God, there's, there's, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. He started doing something in us outside. I like to say we used to do all the in-house. We did the in-house ministry and God took us to the outhouse. Because he did something that we started going out and we started going down, ministering on the streets and different things. And uh, I'm a country boy, so I didn't go someplace where I was comfortable, right? Back in the 80s, going down Vine Street, all that stuff. You know, a guy I was with, he trained us. He said, don't go over there, you'll get killed over there. Yeah. That was a great thing to hear. That was encouraging. You know, but this is what God was moving on our heart. And then things, and Steve and Patty and a few other know us, and what we did with Lifeblood Ministries and different things. And God started doing, we had a feeding ministry for 10 years downtown. We fed every Saturday. We also had things where we did street ministry all over the city, nationally. We also went to Mardi Gras every year for 30 years. I haven't gone to past two. And we learned a lot of things. Go to Ohio University, which was amazing to me. And... Uh, You would tell people, Rick can attest to this, Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, I know. I love him, too. Well, if you love him, keep his commandments. And there wasn't a connection. Because... And it, God does love them. He is passionately in love with them. And they realize it. So I remember one time I was down Washington Park. And there's a guy I've been talking to. I've been taking care of him. I, he only had one. His name was Corey. He, had, he lost his foot. He's on crutches. I fed him. I took clothes to him. I contacted his family in Tennessee. They know where he was at. And did all this stuff. And I shared the gospel with him one day. As far as I knew the gospel. And I said, Lori, Corey, would you like to receive the Lord? He said, yes, I would. And so I laid him in a, start laid him in a prayer, holding his hands. I got a picture of it, brother. And I stopped. I said, Corey, why are you doing this? He said, because you've been good to me. Wow. And I said, that's not good enough reason. What was the problem? There is no conviction of sin. There is no conviction of judgment. And there is no conviction of righteousness. Amen. I had been nice to him. I took care of his outward deeds. But those things were not there. I told Karen, I said, I remember going to him and Chef Plummer was with him. I don't know if Rick was with him one time. And there's people walking around passing out Jesus with a smiley face that says, Jesus loves you. Yeah. And a lady walking around had no top on. And she, 
Huh? No. The lady passed the tracks? No. No, those, those stickers went. No. Hey, those smiley face Jesus loves you stickers went somewhere They went around. And there's this lady who had these stickers. And she came walking down the street. And somebody gave her two stickers. And she had one here and one here. And she had no top on. Jesus loved her and she knew it. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? And I asked God, how do, what, how do I get to these people? How do you witness to these people? How do you, how do you break through to them? Something's got to, I mean, I took classes. I beat my head against the door trying to figure out, I took classes on how to witness to a Mormon, how to witness to a JW, how to witness to a Jew, how to witness to a Catholic, how to witness to a Muslim, how to witness to a Buddhist. And so I had to find out who you were to find, go through my repertoire to see how I'm going to witness to you. And I said, this is ridiculous. And, you know, I had this thought in my head. How did Jesus do it? What did Jesus use? What did Paul use? What did they do? What did they do? The heart has got to be broken. It's hard. The law is written on it with the pen of a diamond. The Lord told me a long time ago, I got a whole teaching on it. It says, here's what we do in the church. I'm being a sheepdog again, ain't I? Here's what we do in the church. I'll tell you, we apply grace. I don't have a rock. You take a rock, a hard heart. We take the Holy Spirit, the oil, the anointing, and you pour it on that rock. What happens to it? It runs right off. It runs right off. What's got to happen to that heart? It's got to be pulverized. It's got to be pulverized. If you go pulverized with its dust, you take oil and pour on that dust. Clay. And then what is it? I'm the potter. And I can mold it. That's good. I can mold it. Mm. We, pour, we pour love, we pour grace upon a hard-hearted person yeah. and wonder why they don't they stick. Yeah. Or why don't they change? What's going on? Yeah. It just runs off. And so they leave and they do this and they go back to their stuff. Ran to a guy one time down, down in New Orleans. I said, I got questions. I got, I got just one question. Is the church relevant in your life? He said, no, I ain't got time. I don't have time. I have time. Why? Because I want to be with you all. I want to be with the Spirit of God is that. Why? Because my heart's changed. This ain't in my notes, so they are, but they're not yet. But Go Romans. I'm going back to Romans. I love the book of Romans. I we just did a whole thing on Romans. I love the book of Romans. 
Who was the Bible written to? Who was the New Testament? Who was the book of Romans written to? Romans. Gentiles. The Gentiles. Chapter, oh, chapter 2 is a great chapter in Romans. Oh, this is where we started at. Let's go to verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge, those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance, but in accordance with your hardness and your impertinent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those by patience, continuance, and doing good, seek for glory, honor, and mortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, and every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Storing up wrath. I preached this one day down in Washington Park to a bunch of homosexuals. They were not happy with me. They were not happy. In accordance with your hardness and your impertinent heart. Impertinent. Unrepentant. Unrepentant. says you're not concerned about it. God's bringing conviction on your heart, but you're unrepentant and you're not really concerned about it. God loves you. So you continue on your way. We continue on our sin. And every time we do that, we're storing up wrath for time of judgment. Because the hardness of our heart. And that's why you pray, God, search me. We want to be holy. We are called to be holy. We are called to be separate. A royal priesthood that should show forth his praises. The priest had to go in. He had to go through a cleansing process before he could enter into the Holy of Holies. What's your cleansing process? The blood of Jesus. What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. He has poured out his love upon us. Chapter 5. Romans. Am I doing okay? I'm not hurting anybody, am I? Nope. He's pulverizing me. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Love you, brother. Chapter 5. 
Chapter five, verse five. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Poured out. Holy Spirit's poured out upon your heart. Why? Because it's pliable. It's pliable. He can take you and mold you and shape you the way he desires you to be. He, he's the one that does it. I mean, we sing songs, you're the potter, we're the clay. And the good one, Romans 10, 9, and 10. We all know that one, right? For with the heart, one believes in the righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made in the salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. With the heart, you believe. It's amazing throughout scripture how many times he mentions the heart. He mentions the heart. He goes on and on. I was looking through the book of Psalms, man. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about his Proverbs. He talks about the heart. The wisdom comes out of your heart. Your good deeds comes out of your heart. The works that you do comes out of your heart. Everything, the issue of life comes out of your heart. Right? What's the other, where's the other one at? Back to Hebrews. Is it in Hebrews? Is it in Hebrews? Hebrews 4. You love Hebrews? I love Hebrews. I do too, brother. Verse 11, 411, let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fail according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing you into the vision of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This discerns the thoughts and the intents of your heart. He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. He looks at it. He knows what you're thinking. Fortunately, the enemy doesn't. This is amazing. It's amazing to me. I can walk in and I have all this stuff being come. I just came right out of the pantry. We were busy. Yes. <laughs> okay. We were swamped. And I'm, pre I'm teaching. 
You get time prepared. And so you come in. Stuff's going on. You got this and this and this and, and everything is swarming around your head. You got all these thoughts. And you step into it and you push through that stuff and you lift your hands and you just start worshiping. And all that stuff goes away. And you stand in his presence and you're amazed because he's doing what you asked him to do. Because I got to get through this because I got to do this. And he does that. He knows what I do. He knows the thoughts. He knows my intents. He knows I'm busy doing what I need to do, what he's called me to do. He knows this. He knows it. Does it give me grace? Yes, thank you very much. I need all the grace I can get. Every minute, every minute of it, every bit of it. But he discerns the thoughts and the intent of your heart. You know, Adam's sin was not the temptation. It was the, it was the action. Amen. And how many people have a thought and are drawn away by that thought in their own lust? They get drawn away to it instead of standing in what the word says. Amen. I want a soft heart. I want a soft heart towards the Holy Spirit. I want my daddy's heart. I prayed long and I want my God. I want my father's heart. I want his heart. Because out of his heart comes compassion. It comes to love. You don't have the capacity to do it without him. No. We don't have it. And so we got to have his heart. The church has to get back. I mean, I'm seeing stuff on Facebook and these preachers, these prophets saying we need to start preaching righteousness. We need to start preaching against sin. We got to start doing it and taking a stand for his name's sake. What are you going to do if they pass this equality bill you got people coming to the door and say, you got to do this. You got to oh, allow us to come in and do this. There's a church in Cincinnati this weekend is having a transvestite that they are going up and teaching. Yeah. Yeah. This is going. Our city of Cincinnati has the gay, the gay pride flag, a flag flying for a week. Huh. And we're comfortable. Speaking to me. Here we go. How are you going to change the culture? How do you change the culture? How do you change it? Look at Jonah. I looked at God. How God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one Sunday morning when I was praying. He said, in order to change the culture of the world, I need to change the culture of the church. The way he has it set up, the world's supposed to mirror the church. Yeah. The way we have it, the church mirrors the world. Amen. And for us to reach everybody, we have to accommodate and accept everybody. I said accommodate and accept. What is the old saying? Love the sin, love the sinner, hate the sin. Yep. Yep. The old saying. We have to 
There's a right, there's a standard of righteousness. Yes. You know, uh, I might be rambling a little bit. I hope I'm not. No. Uh, you know what got me saved? Being a good Catholic boy that I was. Jesus is a savior of the world. And I thought, how can that be? This world's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> you tell me all this is going to be accepted <coughs> in heaven? All this is going to be accepted in the heaven? You can go and do whatever you want to do, and it's acceptable by God? It don't work that way. According to what I've read, no liar, no fornicator, <laughs> no adulterer, no murderer, disobedience to parents. He goes on and on. Idolaters is going to enter in. Is that true? Do you really believe this? Do you believe it for everything it says? Because, oh, you know, theologians well, they question this and they question that. I think it's not really literal, brother, that he's really talking that way. Does God love homosexuals? Yes. yes. Is he going to allow homosexuals, unrepentant homosexuals, into heaven? No. Unrepentant. Unrepentant. Is he going to allow murderers into heaven? You know, they say, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, if they repent, that's different. Jeffrey Dahmer. Remember Jeffrey Dahmer? Yep. Right? Cannibalism. Mass murderer. He had a freezer full of body parts. He had a nice pot. He loved the, loved the stew in the night, you know. Had a little bit of foot, a little hand, a couple of fingers. Mm, good, man. Put some veggies in there. It's all good. Yes. 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 And he was in prison. He was in prison. He gave his life to the Lord. Think God forgave him? Yes. He was actually killed in prison. He was murdered in prison. Yes. He was preaching. He was preaching? Yes. He was starting Bible studies. James Dobson led him to the Lord. No yep, wow. no kidding. How many believe? A friend of mine, Mr. Hinkle, would always ask this question of us. <laughs> How many of you believe God can save anybody? Yep, yeah, that's right. Let's see your hand. How many believe God can you use to save anybody? All God wants is a change of heart. He said he wrote his law upon the heart. And what I found out in my experience, I guess I'd say, in trial and error. In John chapter 4, off the trail again, chapter 4, woman at the well. 
Jesus says, I have need to go through Samaria. Samaritans were Jews, but they also worshipped idols. And they did not mix and mingle. But Jesus said, I have need to go to Samaria. And he went and he met this woman at the well, right? And he had a conversation, a dialogue with her. And she started doing all this stuff. Yet, And he said this very good, interesting statement. He said, go call your husband. And she said, I have no husband. And he said, you speak right. You've had five. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. And what would she say? I perceive thou art a prophet. Oh, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She changed the subject. She went religious on him. She went religious. What did Jesus bring up to her? What did he point out? What did he confront? Adultery. There's a commandment about that, I think. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And Jesus confronted that. And he started telling her. And what she did, she eventually ran back and told the whole city, come and see a man who's told me everything. And they came out, right? And who shows up? The apostles. And they're saying, man, aren't you hungry? He says, I have food that you know nothing about. I have nothing. I mean, he must have already ate. And, the, and they look down the hill. And coming out of the city is what? All these Samaritans. And what does Jesus say to them? This is Dan's paraphrase. Open up your eyes. Yes. Lay down your bias. Lay down your racial profiling. For the harvest is ripe. It's white. And here they come. These are Samaritans that we do not associate with. We cannot be afraid to confront it. If you see a brother who was sinning, you which are spiritual, you go to him and you tell him. And if he hears you, you gain the brother. But if you don't go and tell him, it's sin unto you. If we do not obey that and do that, we're the ones who sin. But understand, I don't want to offend somebody. <laughs> right? Jesus offended a lot of popes, buddy. He offended a lot of folks. And if we're going to be obedient to what God calls us to do and stand on his word, you're going to offend people. You know, the sinners love Jesus. Religious folks kind of, eh, we could do without him. 
the heart. It's a heart issue. The heart's got to change. It's got to change. Our hearts have got to change. By this we know love. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay our, down our lives for the brethren. Where was that at, First John. First John 3. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved. If your heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us his commandment. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Right? Loving one another. Loving one another. Ask my wife. I wasn't. I wasn't always so loving. Brother, you can ask Rick. I was really good at guilt. <laughs> I was really good at pine guilt. To get what get people to move. I was really really good at it. I repent it. Thank God. Love motivates people. Yes, it does. Love motivates people. And they see your love you have for them, it motivates. That's what it's about. Yes, it does. It's about the love that God has within us. People can see it. People can sense the love you have for them. Yes, they can. They know, even when you're correcting them, if it's done in love, like your kids, if it's done in love, it's okay. Amen. If the, the Lord will chastise his children, right? Yes. He loves them. He loves them. Yeah. Submit to the chastisement of the Lord. Anybody been spanked? Yep. I went through a year. Yeah. I went through a year. I caught my woodshed year. Well, the Lord told me, he said, come on, son, we're going to the shed. It's going to hurt you worse than me. And for a year, son, he took and he laid me out. He laid me out. 
He beat the living daylights out of me. What do you use? Word. Word. Nobody had word in And it changes. It changed your it changed my heart. It changed my changed my changed my life. I wouldn't I wouldn't repeat it. I wouldn't want to go through it again. But then again, I would. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because he changed my heart by using this word. It changed. The, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It'll change you because he knows the thoughts and intents. He gets down and gets right to the marrow. He gets down to the, that little bitty thing. His eyes, man, they sure a win. And go, Shh. He's got those laser eyes, man. He'll burn it up. The songs we sing, they scare me. Because if you really listen to the words, yes. are you sure you want to sing them? Yeah. I'm, I remember singing Refiner's, remember the old song, Refiner's Fire? Yeah. You know what that is, don't you? You know what Refiner's Fire is? That's what, that's what Job went through. You really want to go through that? I quit singing the song, I'd hum it. <laughs> And being, being a religious man that I was, I would pray, God, make me into the, the man, the husband, the father you want me to be. Nice religious prayer until he starts doing it. Amen. And he starts answering that prayer. And he takes you to a woodshed. Son, we're going to go have a talk. I remember sitting at Chi on my little stool painting. And the Holy Spirit starts talking to me, and I'm born like a baby. Thank God it was latex paint. I just blended it in. <laughs> he's talking to you, and he's just he's he's changing your heart. He's molding it. He's he's putting it what he wants to do. He's changing you. That's what he does. That's who he is. He's a heart changer. And I'm just one less tear that he's got to shed. Come on. Amen. I'm one less tear that he's shedding. It's mm. what it is. So let God minister to your heart. They touch your heart tonight. Ask him to search your heart. Make your heart into his heart. Remove the stones. Pulverize it. <laughs> it's a process. It's hard. But I tell you what, in the end result, mm. well worth it. The end result, it's all about Jesus. A friend of mine, years ago, we had gone to church. I love working with my hands. I don't like. I like. I don't like being idle. We go into church, it's a beautiful day, and I was building the deck in the back of my house. I, was, I, was, I had the reds on the radio, man. I had my saws, I was changed. I had a, my iced tea sitting there. I was enjoying life. I get a phone call. A pastor friend of mine needs help down in Kentucky. Needs me to come down there, it's a two hour drive. Didn't know the situation. 
And being the type of guy I am, was, I start complaining. I really don't want to do this. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm out here enjoying the sunlight. I'm working on my deck. Everything's doing, I'm grumbling to myself. I, I don't want to go down there. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says these things. Oh, so you want to be a normal Christian. What's a normal Christian? What does the world see? Somebody goes to church once in a while. Somebody lives like the world and goes to church and everything's good. You want to be one like those? You know what I did? I repented. I put my stuff away. We got in the car, picked up some other folks. We head to Kentucky. Pastor friend lived up down way down in the hills and he had his church and next to it was his house. And somebody drove by his house and started shooting into the home. And they shot into his daughter's bedroom window. I don't want to be a normal Christian. I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. He's not called us to be a Sunday Christian. He's called us to be an everyday Christian. One who was a, was a Christian, one who follows Christ, who lays down his, who's willing to lay down his life. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the people around us. So, that's all I have for tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, uh, you know my heart. You all know me. You know my heart. And I want to say there's so much available to the body of Christ, I do believe, that we could do so much. And I believe the days that we are coming into we're going to take, start taking stands and really preaching the Word of God. Not tingling ears. Yeah. Amen. That's not going to draw people. It's got to be and it's got to have an impact on the heart. It's got to hit and penetrate the heart. It can't go here. It has to go in here. And work this whole thing up. So, Father, we thank you for the night. Yes, Lord. <sighs> Holy Spirit, I thank you. Father, I pray that you would give us your heart. That you would search us. God, go into the very nook and crannies of our heart. God, only you can see the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And God, there's things there that's not pleasing to you, Lord, whether it be an attitude or a thought, whatever it may be. God, that you'd bring it to us, that we'd be quick to repent of it. Quick to repent of it, Lord God. God, we want to be a, a people who walk in forgiveness, who walk in repentance, who walk according to your statutes and your commands. A people of your word. And God, let your word dwell richly within us. Let us dwell 
in your word. Let us dwell in it. Let us be like the Bereans, searching. A workman that won't be ashamed. Let your revelation, as we open your word, let it come. Let it come. Changes. Changes. Father, we need your heart. We need to love like Jesus loved. Help us. Help us. We are the body of Christ, fitly joined together. We have need of each other. Nobody is bigger, nobody is smaller. We are one. God, let us walk in unity. Let us walk as one. Let us walk as one. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.